Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. There we go. Up. Oh, I thought we had it. I thought I saw a check mark. There we go. The beautiful green check mark. Welcome in, everyone, and good evening, Broncos country. This is another Huddle Up podcast, a special bi week edition of the Huddle Up podcast. And joining me, as you can see, is not Chad Jensen. I'm on the left side of the screen, so save your freakouts for tomorrow when Chad's back. Joining me tonight is my co-host, my fill-in co-host, a part of Broncos country for sure, and an honorary honorary football priest. That would be Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, good. It was uh, busy. So if it's not baseball, it's soccer. So uh, up to Tennessee for a couple games and just got back about 4 o'clock. And uh, it was nice. It was nice. So it's, it's nice either when you're playing on a Thursday or you have a bye week and it's like, all right, now we can chill a little bit and kind of take away some of the, the panic of the football weekends. Yeah, well, I appreciate you hopping on here with me tonight and filling in for Chad. We're getting happy some to be here. Pleasure about Chad. Uh, Christian says, "What happened to Chad?" And hey, Scott. Uh, Mark thinks Chad is. He- oh, he says Scott. Okay, I thought he said Chad. Chad is uh, at a family event tonight. I believe it's for something to do with Thanksgiving coming up on third. I might be wrong about that, but he has a family obligation tonight. So. Just a one-night absence for Chad. He'll be back tomorrow, but joining me, like I said, is Scott. And uh, we want to go through some talking points that we didn't get to on the Huddle Up podcast mm-hmm. that's happened in recent days. And number one on that agenda is the three-year contract extension for Mr. Tim Patrick. And I was surprised. You know, Chad uh, Chad had, had texted me, said, can you grab this? And I'm like, what happened now? You know, what Broncos bad story came out now? Who are they getting rid of? And it turned out they paid someone, and that someone would be Tim Patrick. And, you know, Scott, it's not too often that you see a person getting millions of dollars and all this money, and you say to yourself, good for him. I'm so happy he's getting rewarded. But Tim Patrick is one of those good guys, homeless, you know, it took a a while, bounced around for a couple teams. He played under a lot of receivers for a couple years before shining in Denver, but he's become probably the most reliable clutch receiver the Broncos have. And that's saying something considering they also have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I thought it was a great deal, Scott, for the Broncos. I mean, they're paying well below market average, but, uh, and there it goes again. My camera doesn't want to work with me one more time. But I thought for Tim Patrick, though, I'll serve it over to you. I'm really happy for him. And kudos to George Payton for identifying a foundational player, someone who contributes on a weekly basis, and rewarding him. That sends a good message to the rest of the team. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I, I had a couple of thoughts on this, and the first one I had was what you just said. This is a good deal. This looks like a really good deal for the Broncos. It leaves you a lot of flexibility that you can still have to go after other guys. And Tim Patrick wasn't exactly a household name around other fan bases. You know, As you know, looking at other places in the NFL, Tim Patrick is really underrated amongst other receivers in Very. the NFL but he was starting to get that attention. You know, general managers, the people that matter know exactly who he is. But as far as, you know, fans and, and other people and pundits making a push, uh, you know, I saw people talking about way down here in Atlanta, if it was the morning, I'd say drink, um, you know, talking about Tim Patrick's the guy we need. I'm like, you're not going to be able to afford Tim Patrick. You're out of your mind. But I didn't think he'd be a 10 million guy. The second thing, Zach, that I thought of in recruiting, have you, if you've ever heard of the term silent commitment, we've got a commitment for this guy, but we want to hold the good news until we really need it. Like after we get our butts kicked one day in a rivalry game, and then we're going to release the, the commitment on Monday so we have some good news. So as far as cantankerous and upsetting and angry, I think we hit the high point last week with the Denver Broncos fans. This is one of those moves that maybe it's been in the works for a while. Maybe it hasn't, but it couldn't have come at a better time to have some good news for Broncos country. You know, that's a point that I tweeted out. It was smart on George Payton's part to announce that or work on it during the bye week. Coming off a bad victory when the news cycle is being dominated right now by Teddy Bridgewater's non-effort and how bad the Broncos have looked, he's signing a fan favorite and locking mm -hmm. him down. What it also does is kind of sets the bar for Cortland Sutton, who's going to be in, in a UFA after the season, and they have to make a decision now. Are they going to pay Cortland as well? Just because they paid Patrick doesn't mean they can't or won't pay Sutton, but this kind of sets the leverage bar for him. Like, listen, Cortland, this is what Tim Patrick's getting. He's producing at a more, I would say, consistent level overall than you right now. So, you know, maybe take it or leave it. But I'm just happy that someone who's put their blood, sweat, and tears into the Broncos has thrived you know, despite a litany of bad quarterbacks, bad coaching staffs, I want to see what Tim Patrick can do. Could you imagine in a better offensive system, he's producing the way he is in the Broncos system. So I was just really happy for him, and I thought George Payton handled this really well. And it goes to show Broncos country once again. There's a lot of problems plaguing Dove Valley right now. George Payton is not one of them. He is part of the solution, and the Broncos are in very, very good hands. Yeah, you weren't the. There is a. Nick and I did a, a, an entire show on uh, general manager rankings from ESPN. It was like the front office rankings and everything that came in. You know, how does the program and the franchise rank? And the front office got a D or something. I'm like, how does the front office get a D when you've got this wonderful roster and you've got a ton of cap space? 
You know, I know you didn't go get a quarterback. You didn't draft a, a quarterback, but you know, neither did these other teams. So that that seems strange to me. I, I'm thoroughly impressed with the with where the Broncos are in the ability to move forward now. You know, to move forward now. And speaking of moving forward, I wanted to hit Christian uh, De Jesus real quick with a super came in early. Uh, real early, like an hour and 10 minutes before we came on. So Thank you. Uh, Christian says, do you think that our head coaching search is going to come down to more or Dayball or, you know, or others? Do you think it'll come down to those two? You know, you like to think that the, uh, I forget the name of the expression, uh, Occam's razor, you know, the most logical solution is also the most prominent one. You know, that's the, that's the, the route. Uh, more likely chosen is you think the Broncos would go after a young up-and-coming head coach after failing with two defensive minds and an older kind of curmudgeonly guy like Vic Fangio. You know, you're asking this question, Christian, though, <laughs> and I think you're asking it because both the Bills and the Cowboys had major letdown games today, especially on offense. So maybe you're kind of framing the question as to are they still hot candidates? Are they still candidates the Broncos were, would pursue? And I say yes. I mean, as of right now, you have to look at their full body of work. You can't judge them on one game. I think they're two of the brightest minds in the NFL, and they would be uh, head coaches sooner than later, in my opinion. But there's also that sneaking suspicion, and we've seen some rumors that George Payton's going to go after a retread, someone like Dan Quinn, someone like Jason Garrett, you know, someone like Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. I don't know about that yet. I think he's mm -hmm. going to have a comprehensive search if and when he fires Vic Fangio. I'm sure there's going to be uh, older names in the fray, veteran names in the fray, but I got to believe, Scott, that they're going to have a Kellen Moore, Brian Dayball, Greg Roman, you know, Joe Lombardi, Joe Brady in there somewhere. Well, the one the one I want to scratch off of that list for you is is Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Brady's a flash in the pan that had a good season at LSU with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. He's been, if you take that off of his resume, you go, who is this guy? Still I better mean, than Pat Sherber. I, I know, but that's <laughs> you, want a, you want a higher bar than that, you know? Um, the other one I want to revisit because there's a couple big supers coming in that I want to get to first is is Dan Quinn. Now I'm not advocating for Dan Quinn, but he's not as bad as you think. And I want to I want to I want to hit on that just a little bit uh, after we come and say hello to Michaela. Oh, thank who's you. coming in with a big red, the big red uh, super, and she's saying so happy for Timmy P is one of my favorites. Is there anybody that isn't, you know? I mean, is there anybody right. that looks at this deal and just says, oh, not that guy? I mean, what a what a great move. Like I said, if, if from a we needed some good news in Broncos country, and this is good news because as you mentioned about setting the bar for Cortland Sutton, it doesn't mean either or anymore. Now it means both. You know, depending on right. what you do at the quarterback position, one of the reasons you have so much flexibility is because you don't have a $25 million quarterback on the roster. And that shouldn't happen for the next couple of years. Um, but you can then build the weapons. You can now go sign Cortland Sutton, too. So what a wonderful move. What a wonderful gesture for Michaela. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Michaela. Uh, Scott is absolutely right in what he's saying there. And in terms of, you know, to his point, the Broncos are projected to have over $71 million 
in salary cap space in 2022. If they want to sign Cortland Sutton, they can sign Cortland Sutton and a lot of other players really easy. And I get the feeling, Scott, I might be wrong here, that George Payton has a plan. He might not know who his, who his quarterback is just yet, but I think he wants to retain the talent around the quarterback. Sure. And that means locking down the players that he can right now. You mentioned not having a big-time salary at the position. Well, you also have young talents like Jerry Judy on the rookie contract, Javante mm-hmm. Williams on the rookie contract, Noah Finn on his rookie contract. I think George Payton wants to uh, have a solid supporting cast, if not elite supporting cast, for whoever is quarterbacking Denver next year and going forward. And Tim Patrick is at the front of the line. Again, he is such a big boon for any quarterback. Throw it up, and like Cortland Sutton, more than likely he'll come down and get it. Oh, I, I have my biases, and I'm I'm very biased towards the big receiver because they're always open. You know, th- you can you can throw them open, and that in the running game, no long run happens without a wide receiver block. And when you got a big physical receiver, they help in the running game as well. Um, so you know, I, I think it's I think it's great news. And like I said, when your one of your initial reactions is, "Wow, he took a hometown discount for some guaranteed money, could have done better." That's really good for the team. I mean, at the end of the day. Oh, I'm only getting 18 million instead of 24 million, dude. Your 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 next five generations of family won't ever have to work again. Right. You're, you're you're okay. So, um, Clado coming in, Clado Tornado coming back to the uh, coaching discussion um, says, "Do you think it, that talking about the timing here because things are a little different this year?" So, this is a good question that I I want to hear from you also naturally. So do you think it's most likely that Fangio is fired before week 15 so we can start the interviews? Also, my dream offseason is Kellen Moore with Malik Willis. Hmm. What do you guys think? Sub to huddle up, state of being. Appreciate you, Clayto. As always, uh, do you think it's likely if he's fired before week 15? I don't think he's going to be fired before week 15, so that point of the question is kind of irrelevant to me. I think George Payton is riding this out until after the season, then he'll make his decisions and his his house cleaning will start then. Uh, In terms of pairing Kellen Moore and Malik Willis, Scott, it's still early. I know this quarterback class of 2022 uh, isn't that revered. They're not all that great on paper, but my guy right now is Matt Corral. I think he's Mm -hmm. QB1 in this draft class. Malik Willis is a guy who's... Trey Lance, he he has a ton of upside, but he needs a ton of work as well in the meantime. And again, this is my speculation. I think George Payton is the type of guy where he'd rather have his, don't take this the wrong way, his Kirk Cousins, meaning a, a, a pro-style, day-one-ready kind of quarterback, or a Mac Jones for a more recent example. And that guy right now, as of November 21st, is Matt Corral. But if you pair Corral with Kellen Moore, Brian Dayball, Greg Roman, Byron Leftwich, I think we can take off Joe Brady Scott and put on Leftwich's name there. Mm-hmm. Any one of those young offensive minds paired with arguably the QB1 in this class uh, would bring a lot of uh, dyna- dynamicism and excitement to the Broncos' offense. So I agree with you on Malik Willis, and he is a perfect candidate to sit a year. And, you know, we can go through we can go through the uh, the the schedule, but the Broncos are probably going to be picking 15-ish, 15 to 18, somewhere in there. That's a good spot for Malik Willis, for a, a guy like that to come in. You don't want him playing right away. You do, do not want him playing next year. So who do you have? You mentioned Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a pretty damn good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's yeah. a big upgrade. I don't get the hate. Yeah, he's a he's a big upgrade over over Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you just wonder, 
you know, you start thinking, okay, if we go rookie and we go free agent, who's that free agent going to be? And what, it, you know, what's it going to cost? Cause that, that becomes a big thing. One of the best things about Teddy Bridgewater is you, you didn't pay him anything. It didn't cost you anything to get him and you're hardly paying him any money anyway. So it was a low risk, low reward type of move. And you're not tied to him for another year. It's, it's done. We can start over. Um, you know, we've talked about this sack about George Payton and, you know, the coaching staff. Well, hell, it's the same thing with the quarterbacks. You know, it's like, okay, we'll give these guys one year shot. Then, then we're going to do it my way. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a, that's a possibility too, is you get two quarterbacks, two new quarterbacks. Or, you know, how about this, Kellen Moore and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Kellen Moore and Russell Wilson, if they go that route, I still think they're going to go the young uh, developmental quarterback route as they should, but that's also an option for Denver after they picked up some capital in that Von Miller trade, harking back to Scott's point about how good George Payton's done. I don't understand why he got a D, by the way. You know, he might not get an A plus to be objective and fair, but I would <laughs> they, say they A minus. It based on they didn't fix the quarterback position. Well, they're in position to, you know, when, when I've got, when you, when you, when you look at the roster and you say, okay, where are the holes on the roster? Yeah. The, the phrase that's used is they call it a donut. You know, there's a hole in the middle of this team at the quarterback position, but everything else is pretty darn good. And what'd you say? $70 million, you know, and I've got the draft capital to go in and fix this. And uh, GLP Gary Lee's Palmer comes in with some stars and says, Hey, Zach and Scott, really good news about Patrick. Like I said, this was, universally good news for a change. You know, that, that doesn't happen real often. What I don't get, though, is the double standard about the quarterback situation now and how it's working against Peyton. So Teddy Bridgewater is the best QB the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning, drawing comparisons to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning as well. And yet, it's you're getting a D because of the quarterback position. That's the route that George Payton went. I mean, he passed on Justin Fields. And, you know, I don't know how much of you're watching of the Bears, Scott. He got hurt today. He really hasn't blown my socks off personally. No, I, he, I, I'm very vocal about Justin Fields being my guy after Lawrence. I would have taken him too. If I was the Jets, I would have taken him. Um, I'm not going to come with any knee-jerk reactions about rookie quarterbacks. They None of them look very good. Mac Jones looks the best, and his overall rating is still in the 20s. I'm like, let's see. If I take a decent quarterback, if I put Trevor Lawrence on in, in in switching with Mac Jones, what are we saying about Mac Jones? Oh, my God, he's, he's, he's hamburger meat. He's been being killed. And Trevor Lawrence is the next big thing. Um, you know, you've got a, a six-time winning Super Bowl coach, a good system who spent a ton of money, and Mac Jones is there to shepherd things around. Yeah, Mac Jones looks okay. He looks okay. Um, but, you know, I'm not ready to, to make any kind of – decisions based on the, the what we've seen so far but no none of them have looked very good so far it's tough it's a big jump to the nfl as a, as a rookie quarterback so um you know again getting back to your original point i didn't get it either i, I didn't get it to the point this is five months later i'm still harping about it <laughs> I just don't get holding quarterback against Peyton when he was saddled with Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer, and they were the ones that spearheaded that the trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but guys, this is kind of an impromptu uh, edition of the Huddle Up podcast tonight. We're opening up to the mailbag because it's a bye week. Not a lot of news has come out, so if you have any questions for Scott or I, please put it in the chat and we'll get to you tonight, we promise you. Mark Knapp jumping in, appreciate you, Mark. He asked, can we... 
sign or trade for Durant's Armstrong. He can play 4-3 or 3-4. Dallas doesn't appreciate him, in my opinion. Well, Mark, they're going to need him right now because Demarcus Lawrence is still on IR and Randy Gregory is out for a few more games. Uh, Armstrong is a solid if unspectacular player, I don't think he would do anything more than Malik Reed is doing right now, and uh, or Shelby Harris would do if he would play up to potential after getting that contract. But more specifically, the trade deadline has passed for this season, so they're going to have to wait until after the season if they want to make that move. But Scott, he's kind of, you know, um, I don't, you're reaching, I think, Mark, to target someone like that. Yeah, and, and Mark, appreciate the stars. I don't know much about him to be honest with you. I know the guys that he was talking about that were out, especially Randy Gregory. Um, but I don't, I don't know much about, about him with the Cowboys, but it might be someone you can target for sure. And Andrew Baker's coming in for some stars, uh, you know, mentioning target, the guys that Peyton has target with his budget free agency picks have, or, or trades, low value trades have been really good. Those have been very helpful additions. So, um, uh, I don't, I don't put it past him to go and get some help from somebody's reserves at all. Uh, and Andrew says, what's up, Zach and Scott and all Broncos brethren? Just showing some love. Appreciate you, Andrew. Um, let's come out of this bye week strong and healthy. Good Lord. Hopefully no one gets hurt during the bye week. We, <laughs> yeah. you know, we want to, we want to talk about all these things, you know, and there's obvious deficiencies in this team. I mean, it's, it's not, this isn't a, a controversial statement. But you start looking at this Eagles game in particular. And the Eagles, I watched, I've watched the Eagles a couple times this year. And when they're on, they are deadly in the lines of scrimmage. Going into this game, I said, and I've forgotten about the Browns because I'll, I'll, I walked out back. I said, this is the best team in the trenches that you will have faced. You're going with three backup linemen, four new linebackers in your front seven, probably. And if you count the guys that have been replaced since then, like eight new players. You've gone through several sets of inside linebackers that it's devastating. You know, if, if we had gone into a game saying, okay, you're going to play three reserve offensive linemen, I don't care who you are. That's tough to overcome. So part of this, part of this coming back and being the team you want to be isn't just personnel, but good Lord, you got to start being healthy. Yeah, that's number one for sure. And I don't know about you, Scott, but you know, normally I would miss the Broncos, but this time my blood pressure did not miss the Broncos. It was nice enjoying a Sunday without screaming at Vic Fangio and criticizing them for how poorly they've played. You know, it's surprising, though, because they could have made a lot of changes over the bye week. They didn't have to necessarily fire Fangio or fire Pat Shermer or bench Teddy Bridgewater, but they could have done something. And as of right now, what do we know? Nothing. It's literally nothing has changed. So we have to hope that the week off did the Broncos some good and uh, the light will eventually flip on for them. Not an easy matchup coming out of the bye facing the Chargers. They have the Chiefs coming up soon. They look like they're getting back to championship level. It's not going to be easy waters for the Broncos to wade through to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I, there was a lot of talk early in the chat about you know where do teams finish and that type of things. And I, I think we can pencil the Chiefs in as the AFC West champions right now. They're, they're starting to play really well at the right time. Um, they're gonna be they're gonna be in the thick of it right to the end. Bills hot and cold. Titans who knows they're capable of beating somebody and then losing losing to the Texans and the Jaguars. Uh, so it's just we get in our own little bubbles and our own tunnel vision, and then you look at around the teams and you're like, okay, the Broncos are five and five. It's like, well, they lost to this team, lost to this team, and beat these crappy teams. Well, those crappy teams are beating other teams that are good. It's just it's a strange year. I mean. 
for years we said the the, the NFL's dream is everybody finishing eight and eight. They they love parity. They they want everybody in it till the end. They want to take everybody and and make the product worse and bring them down to so everybody is a crappy mediocre. Uh, that's how the system's set up. And this year I think it's working. Yeah, make everyone Jeff Fisher again. That's the whole plan for the NFL is mediocrity. But, you know, it's it's any given Sunday applies to the Broncos. I mean, they beat the doors off the Cowboys but lost the following week to the Eagles. So you never really know. Uh, you have to have faith in Fangio, Teddy Bridgewater, Pat Shermer, and the rest to right the ship. I don't personally have that much faith. I see a seven or maybe eight win season, but we shall see what happens. And I've got... There we go. I've got I've got like six browsers open yeah. where I go through stats and standings. Every once in a while, I'll autoplay video. I'm like, all right, which one of you is it? Um, I think the, the the Eagles can end up being a playoff team. Honestly, me too. They're they're five. I think they're five and six. Nine and eight is going to get you an NFC spot. Um, they just beat the Chiefs again. Who are not the Chiefs? I'm sorry, the Saints. I believe who have lost now lost three in a row since uh, since Jameis Winston won out and Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Simeon. Simeon They've lost three in a row. Um, Cowboys look like a lock in one of the spots. Uh, Buccaneers should be okay. Panthers, I was ready to put the Panthers in there. And then I see, you know, oh, they blew that game to the to the Washington football team. I'm like, does anybody want to go? It, what did it, it was a couple of years ago, like a seven and nine Seattle team made made the playoffs and then won a game. I'm like, that just sickens me, honestly. That just if you can't even have a winning season, you've got no business being in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know what it says though to the team that they, you know, that couldn't beat them, a seven and nine team. It, it is. It, there's a lot of parity going on around the NFL, and I think you're right to some extent, Scott. It's why they push extra points back. They want more drama. They want more close games and losses and this and that. But I couldn't believe personally today you have the Texans taking down the Titans, the first team, the first time a team I believe was on a six-game winning streak lost to a team that lost eight games or something like that. It was NFL history being made. There were a lot of upsets today, and you never really know what's going to happen. But again, you have to have faith in Vic Fangio versus blank. Insert name here. And most of the time, I'll take insert name here. All right, you you mentioned something, and it it, it sparked the chat a little bit about no no changes, at least that we know of, being made in the uh, in the the during the bye week for next week. What are some of the things... That uh, and I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I'm going to ask you the question, and it's loaded because I'm going to start. Um, you know, as far as you know, one of the obvious things is let's get the ball more to Javante Williams. You know, make him running back one. And and what I've been saying is I don't care what the title is. I think he's going to start seeing. He's going to have more carries and more touches the rest of the season than Melvin Gordon, especially in crunch time. I think we are all but done seeing Melvin Gordon carrying having crucial carries in, in crunch time. I think I think I think that's done whether they say it or not. Um as far as some subtle changes here or there, I mean obviously the big one is, is swapping quarterbacks. That's that's not going to happen. So what are some of the, you know, other subtle changes you'd like to see being made? You can argue that Albert O should be tight end one over Noah Fan. You can argue you want to see more of Sang Bassey and Michael Ojemudia over Kyle Fuller. Or more is Ojemudia back? Sorry to interrupt. Is Ojemudia uh, back and healthy now? Is he ready I, to go? I think he's off the list now. Yeah, he'll, he'll be practicing this week and hopefully playing 
on Sunday. You know, you could see more Caden Stearns playing for Kareem Jackson, but Scott, I think you nailed it. Other than quarterback, make Javante RB1. Can we get that mm-hmm. hype campaign going right now? I have a stat from Pro Football Focus from yesterday, so going into today's games. Highest percentage of total rushing yards on runs of 15-plus yards. There's two players on this list. Jonathan Taylor, who had five touchdowns today. He looks like the best running back in the NFL. And Javante Williams. I don't see Melvin Gordon's name on there. Mm-hmm. I see Javante's name. So he needs to be RB1. Um, you can make other minor cosmetic changes, but except for benching the quarterback, firing the coordinator, firing the head coach, I think running back, tight end, safety are the ones that you have to look at. No, the, the script I'd like to see was basically the Cowboys script. And I know that's easy to say with the win, but I'd like to see 20 touches between the running backs and then basically 25 throws. You know, if we're running 65 plays, I want to see 40 touches or some screen passes. That's a handoff. It shows up as a pass. But I want to see 20 touches to the running backs. And then, you know, then if you only get three targets to to Sutton or Patrick or right now, based on the personnel you have, getting them the ball and blocking for them, I'm okay with that. I want to see Javante Williams getting the ball more. And I want to see Melvin Gordon getting the ball more. Then, again, that's how the split went in the, in, the, in the Cowboys game. It was just about 40 touches for those two and then about 25 throws. Okay, that's how this team's made to win. That's, that's how this team is built. Why do we get away from it so easy and abandon the running game so fast? You know the answer, Scott, as well as I do. His, the answer is, is Pat Shermer. And I know it's it's not even baby steps for Pat. It's like fetal steps. You know, it's getting both of them involved. But you have to recognize who's the best Broncos running back, especially in clutch, you know, goal-to-go situations, even on fourth down. You saw Melvin Gordon fumbling the ball in one of those situations. I don't think Javante would have done that. Give him the rock and good things will happen. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the, the worst thing. You, you better be Bo Jackson. You know, if you're going to put the ball on the ground every so often, you better make up for it with 180 yards, you know, Derrick Henry's type of, of production. Um, the, the word that you hear around managers and players is like, why does he like this guy? It's like, well, he trusts this guy. He, he trusts this guy. And right now, Melvin Gordon has lost that trust. You cannot trust him to carry the ball. And if you cannot trust him to carry the ball in crucial situations, guess what? He ain't gonna. Unless there's a, a rotational problem, you know, <clears throat> We just ran Javante Williams four plays in a row, and he, you know, he's coming out. You're going to see Javante Williams in crunch time. I, I, I firmly believe that. You might see Melvin Gordon and in, in, talk about how do you get the splits. Well, it might be an opener and a closer. Let's talk about baseball. Melvin Gordon might get 15 carries in the – might be 15-5 and five in the first half and then flip that 15-5 and five for the other guy in the second half. I think that's the way I'd do it. And it's not just a one-time thing with Melvin. If that was his first fumble in a couple seasons, I could be like, okay, it's a fluke, it happens, every running back fumbles. But that's an ongoing issue with Melvin. And when you're making $8 bucks a year, Scott, and your young understudy is looking much better, you can't, like you said, like you alluded to, you can't put the ball on the ground. You have to come back and have a 100-yard effort, take over a game. Melvin Gordon has not shown capable of doing that. He's a good but not great running back, whereas Javante can be a great running back. I mean, yeah. all-pro caliber running back. Yeah, and an $8 million is is all-pro running back money. I mean, the, 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 yes. the running backs are criminally underpaid for the type of abuse they take. Um, so that – but the good news is, is, again, his contract's done also. You know, you can you can get a Melvin Gordon type for a quarter of that money next year. And then and you've got your 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 bell cow already on the roster. Again, 
great job, general manager, D. It was <laughs> like I said, Don't it upset it. me enough that I'm still talking about it the week of Thanksgiving, for goodness sakes. And this was over the summertime. Shane coming in with some stars and said, watching the games today, Denver may make the playoffs. We have the players to do it. It falls on coaching. And the thing is, Shane, you're right. It's five and five and nine and eight is going to get a playoff spot in, in the right now. And nobody seems to want to go to the playoffs right now, except maybe the Chiefs. I'm. This game tonight that's just probably kicked off a few minutes ago, it's going to kind of tell us which of those two teams wants to go to the playoffs. Do the Steelers want to go? Uh, I think the Chargers do. I think the Chargers, if I look at their schedule and who they've beaten and who they've lost to, I know this sounds stupid, but good losses. They're, they've lost to some pretty good teams that have played pretty well um, that I think they've got a, a shot to – I picked them to make the playoffs. I think the Chargers are one of those teams that go in, whether they win tonight or not. But is it out of the question that the Broncos can go? No, it's not. But I saw a lot last Monday and Tuesday that tells me these guys don't want to play for Vic Vangio anymore. Right. And it's hard to win. It is hard to win when you've already punted on your coach and you're waiting for him to be gone. I mean, you can play the Jets every single week. It doesn't matter if the players, like you said, don't want to play or the coaching's not there to Shane's point. So, yeah, Shane, you know, we've told you this in person, Chad and I. We have said this on the podcast for months and months and months now. They have the talent, and that's also, you know, a feather in the cap of George Payton. He assembled a playoff caliber roster, Teddy Bridgewater included. It's up to the coaches to take the ingredients that George Payton gave them and make a recipe out of it, make a meal out of it. Right now, they ain't got no recipe. They ain't got no meal. Yeah, and we can we can talk about the injuries and stuff, but there's also places on this team that we were expecting to be better that aren't. You know, Garrett Bowles right. regresses. Dalton Reisner regresses. Graham Glasgow regresses. Cushenberry's okay. Uh, you, I, I think if I had one nit to pick, I'd say you had money. Couldn't you have done better at right tackle? You know, what's what could you have could you have done better at right tackle? with the free agent when you're sitting on $30 million of cap room, could you have done better um, after you knew Jawan James was gone, especially after you got that money back? I don't know the answer to that one for sure, but it seems like you could have swung for the fences a little more instead of trying to go out and get a million dollar guy here or there, you know, go, go, go get a dude. Uh, Shane, appreciate the stars. Uh, Miguel coming in. Holy guacamole, Batman. The Broncos didn't lose this weekend. Whew, I was nervous. Like I said, you know, Sometimes it's nice. One of the one of my favorite things on the world is having the first game of the weekend, watching your team kick somebody's butt, and then just sit back and watch everybody else beat each other up. It's so satisfying. Uh, being off, it's close. Um, Y'all know I'm a, I'm a big soccer fan, and everybody hates the draw. Have you ever watched two teams play and you wish they could both lose? That's a tie. That's exactly what it is. It's wonderful. So when you're a neutral, it's actually kind of fun to watch a draw because you're like, you both just lost points. Screw you. <laughs> yeah. So Miguel, appreciate the uh, appreciate the super. A little known fact, though, Scott, the Broncos actually opened as home underdog to the bye week this week. So they got added this week with a victory, a rare victory. But Miguel, we appreciate your contribution. Hopefully you're looking forward to the Broncos next game. And right now it's 3 nothing Pittsburgh. You're talking about the game on tonight, uh, Pittsburgh, and they just scored. So it's going to be 7-3. Los Angeles, not going to be easy taking them down. Vic Fangio is going to have to outcoach the Chargers. Well, we shall see what happens there. Yeah, they're, I, 
their record, you know, you look at records, you look at stats, you're like, oh yeah, and it, it doesn't tell the whole story. You know, it's it we're we're a little more than halfway through the season. The when we play 17, that'll tell the full story, and I, I think we'll know a little bit better. Uh, Dennis coming in with the super saying, any 22 QBs we're taking over waiting for the better 23 class. If we wait for the 23 class, what do we do at QB next year? I mean, you can go about this a couple ways. I, I don't, this is my opinion. If I was a GM, I wouldn't be governing the team two years down the road. I have to think about 22 while I'm still in 21, not think about 23 while I'm still in 21. So I'm probably going to take a quarterback from next year's draft class. It's not like they're chop liver. They're still very talented players. Malik Willis, uh, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, of course. Uh, I like a lot Sam of, Howell a little bit Sam at North Howell. Carolina. Carson Strong, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class that can do some damage if you have the right coaching around them. So my opinion, Dennis, and Scott might, may disagree with me, I think George, if he goes that route for the rookie, doesn't aim for Rodgers, Wilson, Deshaun Watson, I think he goes and plucks his guy from this year's class because it's his turn to get his quarterback. No, and I think this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, was I, I, I don't think it's out of the question that you get two quarterbacks this year you get your if you get a guy like Malik Willis I don't want him starting so who becomes the guy that you have starting next year um a holdover guy you know somebody's gonna you know we mentioned Kirk Cousins you know is it Teddy Bridgewater on a discounted contract for a year I, I don't know um but it's certainly a possibility that you have you end up having you end up bringing another free agent quarterback and you could do worse you could do worse than Kirk Cousins I mean uh, you are doing worse. Right. You have been doing worse right. than Kirk Cousins um, for for somebody like that. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I think you you almost have to go for a quarterback, even if it's lower in the rounds. And there's somebody that you think you know to take a flyer on. You know, uh, we talk about this before, and Nick Kendall would be one to say, "Take a quarterback every year. I don't care." You know, it's not fair to the guy you took before. Screw him. He's got to beat out this guy. Right. You know, think college football recruiting. You don't stop recruiting guys. They might not want to come, but this is the NFL. They don't have a choice. They have to go where we tell you to go. It's beautiful. So keep taking them. And um, appreciate the 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 super, Dennis. And I've got Andrew queued up over here, and I can't find it. So Andrew came back with some stars when we were talking about the running backs. And I'm just going to read it, Andrew. And it says, Melvin needs to carry the hard hit runs and Pookie for some explosive runs. In the end zone, it's all we have left, even with our awesome receiving core, QB needed for those guys. So, you know, and, and I agree. Like I said, you could have an opener and a closer. It's not necessarily how that that you split the carries. It's when you split the carries with those guys. Exactly. If any of you guys watch how Dallas operates and they split, they have kind of a committee with Zeke Elliott, of course, and also Tony Pollard. Who's the more explosive back, the younger back, the back that fans want to see? Sound familiar? So in this case, Melvin would be Zeke Elliott and Javante would be Tony Pollard. I agree wholeheartedly with Scott there. It doesn't matter the numbers. It matters the context of those numbers. When you decide to take one off the field for the other. But when you have a fourth and one and you're going for it and you have a running back that's breaking tackles left and right, ripping off chunk yards... Why not give him the ball? It, it's you've got a guy coughing it up. This this isn't a hard decision. No, it's not. not. You know what? One of my biggest pet peeves watching sports is when coaches try and go away from the obvious. 
You know, it's okay. Keep it simple. You know, don't, don't, they try and show everybody just how smart they are and they just end up looking stupid. You know, um, y'all had a, we both had a coach that was a very good coach and a bad general manager that liked to do that. Dan Reeves, he got himself run out of three jobs as a general manager because you wanted to try and take the guy from Northwest Louisiana, Texas, Christian state, <laughs> instead of this freak of a athlete, just to show what an amazing scout he was and do this, do the obvious. Sometimes it works. It's okay. And you mentioned the Falcons a few times. You're talking about Kirk Cousins and the hate he gets. I don't, I don't really understand it either. And he's in that Matt Ryan realm that he just gets dumped on. And when you look at his numbers and when you watch the games, he's doing uh, so much more with less around him. Did you all see the Minnesota Green Bay game today? He outdueled easily Aaron Rodgers. If they, I, went- uh, I was listening to it on the way back. I, I flipped it on uh, when it came back, and you know, I think. You know, they were both, they both had amazing games, you know, and if you're, if you're even knocking on the door of what Aaron Rodgers is, you, you're a pretty good quarterback and, and Kirk Cousins has done it before. Matt Rod, Matt Ryan's just about longevity. You know, if you have the same quarterback for four losing seasons in a row, he's going to get crapped on. Um, and I think one of the big issues with him also is next year, if you look at like cap hit, he's number one, his, his cap hit is number one in the NFL. And he, he's not he's not a number one guy. He's a above average quarterback, but that doesn't help. That doesn't help for sure. I want to see Matty Ice get a ring. But uh, Travis hopping in here, kind of a big comment. I'll read it quickly. Thank you, Travis. Good evening, Zach Scott and Broncos country. I totally agree with what you said, Zach. The only shakeups we will possibly see is running back, tight end, and safety. We do have the talent. It's the coaching that's hurting the team, even Let's say we do have Teddy next season. I think we can see better results with better coaches. What's your guys feeling about Sutton, signed or tagged? Scott, I'll serve that to you first. Right now, I, I think you you offer him a contract. I don't think you tag him. If he if he turns down your contract in in the in the this the the tag, it's an average of like the top five salaries. Does that change? Has that changed? Do you know? It's the average of the you get a one year deal guaranteed. No, I, just the numbers change, obviously, but I don't think they're the actual. But that's how they come up with the number. It's the right. average of the top five salaries. The top five salary right now at, at wide receivers, $20 million. Cortland Sutton's not playing like a $20 million yeah. receiver right now. Um, so if you offer him, you know, a, a, a similar contract, maybe another year or two, maybe a little more guaranteed money to what you order to, uh, to give to Tim Patrick, and he turns it down. That's on him then. Okay, good luck. Hit the open market. See if someone wants to give you coming off a bad knee and low production. You know, where's he going to finish this year? You think he's he'll have 800 yards receiving? You yeah. know, and you want you want to get $20 million? You know, 20 no. So I don't think you tag him. There's the transition tag. I don't know if it works out the same uh, as the franchise tag, but yeah, that's a good point, Scott. Twenty million dollars—that's what Amari Cooper's making. You know, that's about what Keenan Allen's making. You know, Julio Jones is making twenty-two. DeAndre Hopkins twenty-seven two five. Those are the most expensive receivers in the NFL. I, I wouldn't put. I love Sutton so much, mm-hmm. but coming that's off that ACL. Like him. I wouldn't put him in that bracket. I would offer him a deal, like you said, and they have the leverage now, Scott, the Broncos do. They signed a starting receiver to a $10 million a year contract at base, and they also have Jerry Judy around and KJ Hamler around. So they can say, listen, Cortland, you want to stay here? We're offering you a, a contract commensurate to what you've done so far. If you don't want it, you're you know, you're know more than welcome to test the open waters. I think that's the, the hard-line approach Peyton takes. 
And I'm, I'm guessing you could probably get a pretty good receiver with that second round pick you got for Von Miller too. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, and then you get, you get a, a pick back for, for Sutton if he turns it down. So I would make him a fair deal. What I think is a fair deal. And I would, I would roll in what he was before, you know, knowing what he was before the injury. Cause you know, you want to, you want to give him some loyalty money also. Hey, we appreciate you. You've been at you, what you've done. You're underpaid on your rookie contract. We get that. You've been hurt. We want to reward you. We want you here. And you give him a fair deal, probably a little more than what a typical, his production might say. And if he turns it down, you guys can live without Cortland Sutton. Uh, you don't, I would not tag him. I wouldn't. It's too much. It's too much money for him right now. Especially, but because a, a better quarterback would raise the talent of those around him. Yeah, so he and, and we talk about before about you know how come this guy's not getting any targets? This guy didn't get enough targets. Well, when you start adding up all those guys, you know it's like well, Fant, uh, Okalebanam, Patrick, Hamler, Sutton. Uh, I'm forgetting somebody. Judy, and I haven't even gotten to the running backs. Right. You know, Melvin Gordon. Um, Javante Williams, there's eight guys. And I didn't I don't think I even said Okawebanom. There's nine. They're all they're not all getting eight targets. <laughs> Mike Doesn't Boone, work like that. Speaking of better quarterbacks, Mike S hopping in here. Thank you, Mike, for joining us tonight. Mike asked, why would Russell Wilson want to come to Denver? Kind of piggybacking off our previous conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, you can definitely argue that he doesn't want to come to Denver, and there was that leaked uh list that he put out earlier this offseason, the Broncos weren't on there. I think it was Chicago and a couple other teams. I, I don't think Russ, Russ wants to live out his twilight in Denver through a rebuilding period. I think he wants to go to a win-now, day-one-ready team. But do the Broncos even want Russell? If you've watched him after that finger injury and surgery, he's not looking like the same Russell Wilson. You have to wonder if Father Time is catching up to him as well. Yeah, I think again, it all it all depends on the cost. I'm always of the opinion. Appreciate the the question, Mike. Um, and Randy came in with some stars earlier to do, saying uh, "Happy Sunday, everyone." Randy, Happy appreciate Sunday. appreciate the support of the show thank as always, and it's nice um, being on this side, so I can say thank you too. I know Chad and Zach always do, but I'm I'm always on the backside at night when uh, there's a, a different group in here, and it gives me a chance to say thanks to all y'all as well. Um, for me, it boils down to everything, you know, the, the cost, what is it, what is it worth? You know, do, do you, are you good enough now where the one player gets you into the Super Bowl? If you have the quarterback, does it get you in the Super Bowl? If it does, then the cost is probably okay. I, I go three first round picks, whatever, in a, in a trade. If it's not, then how are you supposed to build around that guy in order to get him to a Super Bowl if you gave up all of your capital to get him? So that's a question you have to ask. To me, what, what's the cost? What's Russell Wilson going to cost? Deshaun Watson, before the, the legal stuff, it would have cost a ransom, but he probably would have been worth it for a team like Denver. 25-year-old, three- or four-time Pro Bowler, for goodness sakes? Yeah, he's, he's worth it. Your quarterback's set for the next decade and a half. Here's a question I want to pose to you, Scott, from Todd uh, Ostendorf, thank you, Todd, for joining us tonight. Our secondary looks suspect after PS2, plus we stand to lose some free agent defensive backs next year. What is the bigger need going into 22, defensive end or cornerback? I, I'd go the edge for me. Um, one, I, I, I still prioritize edge a little bit more over corner because I've always said the, the best corner in the world is a quarterback on his butt. 
Um, you know, Von Miller in his prime makes cornerbacks look better. I think it's a lot easier to sack a quarterback and end a play than it is to get a coverage sack because your corners are so good, as good as the receivers are these days, and with all the rules going against you in the back. Um, when you're looking at Bradley Chubb hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, what are you doing? Is Jonathan Cooper the guy yet? Um, he's playing well for a rookie. I'm I'm not ready to crown him yet. A seventh round guy. I, I certainly wouldn't feel that comfortable coming in. Uh, as opposed to, you know, as you said, if, if Ojemudia stays healthy, uh, you got Ronald Darby on a, another contract. Right. Patrick Sertan's looking really good. I I would want to go edge before I would go corner for this team. Malik Reed, we mentioned him a little earlier. He is a nice backup, but he was he's been abused as a starter. He's been he's been abused. He's been targeted in the run game. The tight ends are just taking him out of the game, which leaves that entire side of the offensive line making it easy to get to the second level. Every time you see a running play against you, the first time anybody touches him is usually two or three yards past the line of scrimmage. And part of that is because you're you're not controlling the edge right now. So I'd go defensive end. What about you? What about you, Zach? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think in terms of the Broncos cornerbacks, you can look at it like um, kind of what Dallas did last year, it, it, you know, or this year, it's uh, Trevon Diggs and a kind of a bunch of Jags. What next year is going to be for the Broncos is PS2 and a collection, a mismatch of other cornerbacks. But like Scott said, Ronald Darby is coming back. He signed a multi-year deal. They would have to eat too much cap money. So he's going to be a starting cornerback. Patrick Sertan's looking like a future All-Pro or Pro Bowler. They're good there. And you can still finagle uh, an Ojemudia to saying Bass. You have Mike Ford playing well. You can draft a mid-round cornerback or acquire one. You don't have to in, you know, invest a premium pick at that position. I'm right there with you at edge. I think I'm a little higher on Jonathan Cooper. I think he has. Um, I, I like him. I love him. I'm just, I'm just not ready to say you're good yet. You know, especially with injuries, I, I, I would, I'd feel a lot better with another positive edge rusher than I would right now, where I'd feel I need another corner. And part of that's just, again, my own bias. I, I like big receivers. I like defensive ends. It's one thing that Vaughn's gone, but the other thing is we can't even count on Bradley Chubb staying healthy, being healthy, or playing for the Broncos next year. They still could try to get out of that contract. So, yeah, definitely defensive end, edge all the way. That's the bigger need. Yeah, okay, good. We're on the we're on the same page there. Um, Charlie, we wish. We've been pounding this particular table for a couple of years now. Can the Broncos draft a new trainer to keep our guys healthy? You can't mention he who shall not be named around these parts without drawing, you know, cancel culture. So we'll just say we agree with you and we hope that situation uh, rectifies itself. It's strange. I mean, looking at it from the outside in, you know, if it was all muscle injuries, you know, the every, you know, when you got 10 guys pulling at hamstrings, but the, the, the injuries run the gamut, you know, concussions, torn pectorals, knees, ankles, rolled up legs. Uh, you know, it's, it's strange. I mean, it, it really is. And it's not, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I hate to say this, but guys seem to stay healthier when they're playing for a coach they like better. <laughs> yes, that's a good point for sure. Uh, guys, we have about, you know, 12, 15 more minutes. This is going to be, again, an impromptu mailbag edition of the Huddle Up podcast over the bye week. So as we're winding down or getting ready to submit your questions, if you have them, Maurice is chiming in here with a question. Thank you, Maurice. Do we have enough pieces in place to be in a win-now scenario if we were to snag a blue-chip quarterback? I think, look at the roster. I mean, on paper, not how they're coached, not how they've been performing under Vic Fangio. They don't have many weaknesses on paper. So if you add a blue-chip caliber quarterback in there, 
why wouldn't they be a win-now team? Why wouldn't they be a playoff team? I, I posit that despite the injuries, despite Vic Fangio, despite Pat Shermer, if they had a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater this year, they would not be where they are record-wise. Yeah, if you, if I look at offense for sure, um, you know, all of a sudden we mentioned I went I went right across the offensive line. I I mentioned everybody. Uh, they all get better. They they're all playing better when they've got a quarterback that is a threat, a, a playmaking quarterback. The the offensive line starts playing better. What scares me though is now the defense. the The front seven is now a front three from what you started with. Um, you know, the guys that you were, when you were starting the season, you're expecting Vaughn Miller, Draymond Jones, uh, Purcell. Then you go to, uh, Shelby Harris, Bradley Chubb, and then, uh, AJ Johnson and, and Josie Jewell behind them. There's three of those guys still there. And Purcell has been moved in and out. So you really, the only two players that are still there in essence are Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones. And it's not like they got beat out by other guys. They've, they've all gotten hurt, traded, or whatnot. So couple that with the fact that Kyle Fuller, you know, one of your big money free agents, hasn't been playing that well. Um, and now I wonder, is the defense, do you, do you, have, the, do you have the horses on defense to be a, a championship caliber team if you throw in the quarterback? Again, you, you got you to gotta get healthy on some of this stuff, for God's sakes. And you, know, you can't have pro bowlers everywhere. That's where you end up with mm-hmm. the Josie Jewels and the Alexander Johnsons. But for the most part, I mean, when you have Shelby fell off, Mike Purcell fell off, we thought we'd see a bigger year from Draymond Jones. We can talk about the inside linebacker injuries, the loss of Von Miller, the loss of Bradley Chubb. The secondary has been disappointing. Uh, Simmons has come around. But you also have Caden Searns blossoming. You have yep. uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Sertan blossoming. Those two should be up. Those two should be in the ascendancy. So on paper, this is already a playoff caliber roster. It's right there on the precipice. If you add a quarterback to that, I don't see why not. And going and going back to the the edge versus cornerback discussion, you know, if Bradley Chubb's playing on a contract right now, he's got one year guaranteed. And we talked about this: is what I'd like to see is him play as lights out, and, you know, play lights out next year. You tag him. Yeah, that's who you get a tag. You don't give him a long term contract until he proves he can do it several years and you know that he can do it that's a guy you say okay i'm going to give you 15 million dollars as a franchise tag to to go and do it again show me you can go get 15 or 16 sacks and be that guy again because right now i don't have a lot of faith in it so you know when you're are you going into uh going into next season say jonathan cooper and malik reed that's where you got to spend some money. That's where some of the draft capital's got to go is to to make that that again. To me, there's no question. You you got to upgrade the edge positions if you want to be a championship caliber def- defense. It's so crazy when you said Bradley Chubb getting 15, 16 sacks. The very first thought I had was no way. He's never going to do that. But it's crazy. A couple of years ago, he had 12 sacks. We all thought he was the second coming of Von Miller. And now we're all kind of anticipating his departure. So I, I'm right there with you. The better he does, the better the Broncos do. We're all rooting for Bradley Chubb, but you can't you help him. the club from the tub. That's what you, it boils you, down you to. Need, you need him. But MRM, uh, we need him. We got him, Scott. MRM5897 hopping in with a $10 super. We appreciate you so much, he says. They say... Go Broncos. Appreciate you, MRM. Hope you're having a great weekend and enjoying the Broncos bye week. We're going to have to start winding it down, though, Scott. It's, I think the chat is dying down. Again, guys, if you have any questions, last-minute questions, buzzer-beating questions for Scott or I, please 
uh, put them in the comments and we'll get to them unless you have something else that you wanted to talk about, Scott. Uh, who do you think, you know, on the, we could hit the buy and sell. I mentioned that as a possibility that, that becomes a whole other show. Yeah. I said, you know, for when you start looking at the contracts, um, you know, who, who's, who's going to be a Bronco next year or the year after, you know, it's Bradley, it's Bradley Chubb. And I'll just make this simple since we're right here. Is Bradley Chubb going to be a Bronco in 2023? 2023? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. You know, that's uh, that's a, quite a ways away. I would say it's it, it's not even a slam dunk. He'll be on the team for in, in 22, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't answer that right now. As of right now, right this second, I'm going to say no. He hasn't okay. done enough to warrant a second contract, but he has the potential to. All he has to do is stay healthy. That's the number yeah, one thing. I think... I think he'll be there because his, his options fully guaranteed and nobody's going to want that. So unless you end up paying, paying a bunch of money for him to go play for somebody else, nobody else is going to pay him. Let's say if, if you've got spot rack open, I think he's on like 11 million for next year or something. Yeah. No one else is going to pay him that much money. So he's going to be a Bronco next year. If he wants a second contract, and this is just absolutely the ideal situation for the Denver Broncos. If he wants a second contract, he's got to go earn it. He's in a the definition of a contract here, and he's not thirty two. You know, he hasn't made the money that Von Miller has. He needs to go out and get that second contract. It's ideal. It's ideal for him. Um, if he goes out and earns it, and you tag him, I hate the franchise tag. I hate it. I think it's un-American. The, tag him. The that's thing a, about- that's 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 what it was made for was for a guy like that. But, and Peyton Scott has no loyalty to Bradley Chubb, even though he mm-hmm. was a first-round draft pick. He was picked by the previous regime, and this is Peyton's baby now going forward. So, yeah, he has to earn it or else I don't see him sticking around that long, but it's it's quite the question to ponder. Uh, Mark has a question for you, Scott. Is there no Broncos for breakfast tomorrow morning? Mark, that is correct. No Broncos for breakfast tomorrow. We will uh, We will be back on Tuesday morning, and I'm ready to go on Thanksgiving. So we'll talk about that with Nick on Tuesday um on tuesday about you know hey what are you doing at 6 30 in the morning on thanksgiving day broncos <laughs> for breakfast it's okay with me i'm not gonna be doing anything travis hopping in here this is a good question to end on scott for the for this evening speaking of you know speculative um queries travis goes how many wins do you see going into the rest of the season I kind of gave it away, Travis, at the beginning of the episode when I said I see a seven and ten, maybe eight and nine team if they can get their, you know what, together, and that would mean Teddy Bridgewater actually not quitting on the team, Vic Fangio actually coaching to his potential, Pat Shermer being in the year 2021, so on, so on, so on. If they can do that, they can make maybe a late season playoff push, but. I'm judging the Broncos based on what I saw last. And what I saw last is a team that doesn't want to play for its head coach, like you said, doesn't have it at quarterback, doesn't have it at some spots, injury riddled. They just, uh, I've lost all my optimism. I've lost all hope in picking them to win games going forward. They've burned me too much. So right now I'm not feeling too optimistic. I would say seven and 10 guns. Zach, I like to say we're in the shame on me phase of this relationship. (laughs) <laughs> already I'm, we're in this if you know fool me once fool me five times shame on me yeah um i look at the raw i look at the rest of the schedule all right let's just run through it real quick and then we'll get out of here chargers no loss at kansas city no loss 
Detroit Lions at home. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. There's a win. Maybe. Maybe. We, but I'm going to say yeah. Know. Bengals. No. I don't think so. That you, you don't match up with the AFC North teams worth a darn. And I said that at the beginning. They are beating you in the line of scrimmage. And the Bengals are playing pretty good football right now. Yeah. At Raiders. There's your swing game to get your two. That That's the one. If you're going to get to seven wins, that's the one. Because you're not going to win the next week at Chargers. And you're not going to win uh, versus Chiefs. So I would say one and a half. Yeah. Like, I'm Sorry. right there with you. Like, I, again. I, like again, like I said, we're in the we're in the fool me fool shame on me phase of this relationship, and until they show and they haven't for a while that they want to go out and play, right? Who do you pick them to beat except Detroit, who's going for the number one pick, or maybe a random game they get up for like Kansas City or the Chargers? But you know the, the Bengals, and, and you hope it's like oh, it could be Week Seventeen. The Chiefs may have it locked up. If the Chiefs don't have anything to play for and they've already got their seating locked up right now, but that could be a game where they're playing for a bye. Or they're playing for home field throughout the entire playoffs. They're not losing that game. Also playing to beat their bitter bitter rival. They don't want to ever lose to them, and then that streak as well. So yeah, I mean maybe eight wins. You know, if if they have a miracle, maybe nine wins, and they would vie for a wild card. But as of right now, you know that Philly loss five and five. You're gonna get four out of that. I don't think so. I have trouble seeing two. After the Philly loss, you know, that destroyed what little confidence I had coming off that Dallas victory, which proved to be a, a mirage, an outlier, the exception, not the rule. So, Travis, great question. I, I love pondering this kind of thing. I don't see many wins in the Broncos' future. And it seemed like the Bengals, for example, they would be a joke a year ago, but they just beat the doors off the Raiders. And who the Raiders swept the Broncos last year. So it's nothing is going to be easy. Even Detroit with Dan Campbell is going to be a challenge for the Broncos so yeah, I, I seven and ten, eight and nine. Cincinnati's six and four, playing good you know? football. I mean, they did lose. They did lose to the Jets, so they're obviously beatable. And that was a road game. So at at Jets, they lost, uh, and they got crushed by the Browns. But then they just went to Las Vegas and killed them. So yeah, I think a split. So I'll go two. A split Raiders Bengals. You beat the Lions. Split with Raiders and Bengals, depending on who decides to show up that day. Uh, two more wins, seven and ten. Yeah. By the way, the Chargers now are up fourteen three on a Steelers team that kind of whipped the Broncos a few weeks ago. So it's going to be tough sledding unless things turn around. And after watching that Philly game, coming off the Dallas game, entering a bye week, how could you ever think things are going to turn around for the Broncos? But that looks like it's going to do it, Scott, for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in with us for kind of an impromptu, like I said, a Chadless version of the Huddle Up Pod. We'll be back tomorrow night. Back as usual, back in the saddle, 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain. In the meantime, follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile I Huddle. Follow Scott on Twitter, as you can see, at Scout Kennedy. Not Scott, Scout Kennedy. You can follow me at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a Broncos for Breakfast coffee mug. Get yourself a dad hat. Get yourself a hoodie for the upcoming winter. Everything is in that store. Navigate there right now, HuddleUpPod.com. Also, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Become a supporter. Big blue button. Kelberman's Corner, for those wondering, and for those who didn't see my tweet, returns next Sunday at halftime of the Broncos-Chargers game. So we have that to look forward to. Also, Trickle Zone Broncos Book Club each and every week. I promise you guys that VIP content is worth it. Also, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like that page. And if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts. 
and leave your football priest, that includes Scott, of course, a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things. It takes five seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Scott, I appreciate you so much filling in tonight for Chad. It's always great talking to you. Let's do this again soon. Have a great weekend. you have any parting words? No, DB asked what's on my sweatshirt. I was wondering who might notice these Broncos colors that I got. These are actually Auburn colors too, so it, it, it fits it in works. well. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, tomorrow night is the raffle for the right. jersey of your choice. So the, face, the Facebook and YouTube folks, make sure everybody, you're all here anyway. But just a reminder, a little extra to get excited about. We, uh, we're going to raffle off uh, the, uh, the Denver Broncos jersey of your choice tomorrow night. So we'll see you tomorrow. Raffle tomorrow, huddle up pod tomorrow, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern as normal. Take care, guys, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.